Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Risen at Home. Yeah, I'm here at the church, but you're at home or wherever you're watching from. I'm glad you're joining us tonight for this episode, this first episode of our new Wednesday night Bible study. Um, every Wednesday uh, during this time of social distancing, we're going to be posting a special message just for social media, for our online and uh, our virtual community. Who knows, this might even become a thing uh, beyond this season, but for the foreseeable future, this is going to be our Wednesday night supplement. Now, I say supplement rather than replacement uh, because I I really believe you're going to like this, and I believe this is going to be something that we really find a lot of uh, benefit from. Nothing beats being in the house together. Nothing beats uh, pews that are full of God's people worshiping and learning together. Uh, But perhaps something that is often missing from those environments, something that's often missing from just sitting in rows listening to one person is that there's aren't, there isn't any feedback, right? That we're not able to engage with each other and talk about, maybe afterwards, yes, but most of the time we come in, we leave, and, and, and we just think about stuff in our own minds. But unlike what we do in Sunday school and small groups, we don't really engage. But the benefit of those other smaller environments where we sit together in circles and talk about the scripture as a body or as a group, they're so effective and beneficial um, because they spark conversations and we just engage with each other and we sharpen each other. And, and so what we're going to do with these Bible studies um, is especially design them to spark and encourage conversation. At the end of each of these, uh, we'll have some uh, ideas and questions that uh, we're going to take and break out over the next couple of days into their own Facebook posts where we're going to encourage you and hope that you'll come and join us, be a part of our community, and share your thoughts, discuss what we talked about in our message, and even ask questions, and all of us together can benefit and grow um, as a family, as a community. And, and I hope uh, that you'll take to the comments and these posts, you'll share your thoughts, responses, your questions, and engage with each other, and really will be edified by one another. And the things that you bring to the table may be something that someone else didn't even think of, but they're so thankful for afterwards. So many of you, most of you, um, are comfortable talking about this and that over social media, and I think you'll easily take to this with great interest. And, And I know some of you uh, you're more shy like myself, don't share a lot, don't talk a lot on social media. If you want to send anything privately to me and talk about um, w- with me o- over uh, in private messages, that's fine. I'll be there to do that if you want to. But I really think that we're all going to really enjoy this opportunity to really talk about our faith together and engage with each other. You know, the purpose of this Bible study um, is to help enrich and equip us all in our faith. Uh, This is a time of uncertainty and a time of anxiety, and and we believe that the best thing we can do is focus our hearts on the Lord and focus our minds on God's Word. And what a better time to go deep into one of the greatest books of the Bible and learn about the essential concepts and tenets of our faith and grow as believers. And, And I'm sure everyone has a little more free time lately. So I'm asking you, and I hope that you'll set aside a half hour or so every Wednesday evening, or you can even listen to it later because it'll be up there to to listen to anytime. Uh, Listen to this Bible study, take some time, reflect, jot down your thoughts and ideas, and come back to our page on Thursday and on Friday, and you'll you'll see those posts and share your thoughts and interact in our community, and, and to the best that we can, we can benefit and build up one another. And, and Proverbs 27 verse 15 tells us that iron, sharpen iron sharpens iron, and so do we sharpen each other when we talk about our faith. And, and as Christians, it's so important that we stretch ourselves and talk about our faith. And I know this isn't something that we're all natural at, but we all talk about the things that we love, right? But often our faith is the thing we talk about the least. But it's so important that Christians talk about their faith because 
the mutual benefit we find when we talk about our walks with God. And, 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 and also, if we're ever going to be ready to talk about our faith to those outside the church, if we're ever going to be able to talk about our faith with others and obey the Great Commission, then we got to start talking about our faith with one another and find the fellowship and, and the enrichment from the community of God's people that he always meant the church to bring. So this will help us relate to each other, see different sides of the conversation. And I think you're really going to be blessed from this and you're really going to enjoy this. And many of you may realize that uh, you enjoy talking about your faith and it's easier than you think or you may have thought. So uh, tonight, if you got a Bible, I want you to open with me to Romans chapter 1. Now I've got my Bible here. I know you can't see it from the screen, but we're going to be studying not just this text, but also looking at other verses and other scriptures that really help support what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so I want to open up by reading Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, and then I'm going to talk about why we're studying Romans and what I think God's going to bring to us, not just from tonight, but from this entire study that we have in front of us. So Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul writes, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, I'm really excited about this and I've been wanting to do a new study in Romans for a while now and just been waiting, waiting for the right time, praying for the right time, and I believe this is the perfect time. If there was only one book of the Bible, if there was only one book that, that, that could map out Christianity and tell us all that we need to know about Christianity, Romans is that book. Romans does an outstanding job at giving us every little detail, tracing the promises of God before Jesus, telling us who Jesus is and what his will for our lives is. If you come to Romans knowing about Jesus, but nothing more than that he was a unique man who did some miracles, preached some sermons, and then was killed, and then rose from the dead, this book can take you from knowing about Jesus as a person and lead you into knowing Jesus personally. Romans, more than any other book, really serves as an, as an amazing document that props up the rest of the Bible and validates the history and the word about Israel as an essential backstory to Christianity. And Romans also gives validity to the church and its pillars who wrote the rest of the New Testament. So the intro to Romans is going to do a very few specific things for us. Um, first of all, it validates the Old Testament and the New Testament as God's word. It, it validates the Bible that we have, the Old and New Testament, and we'll talk about how all that came to be. It validates and gives us confidence that the Bible is God's word, and the Bible is God's word about who Jesus is, why we needed Jesus, and what Jesus has come to do for us all. That is the summary of the scripture, and verses one through verses number three really testify to that, that Jesus is the reason the Bible was written, the events of old, the events of new, all happened to tell us the story 
of Jesus. So the Bible is validated as God's word. Also, the scripture authorizes the Old Testament Israel and the church, New Testament going forward, the church as bearing witness to the power and promises of God. That this scripture reminds us that Israel beforehand but bore witness of the promises of God and the church going forward and all those that believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior going forward bear witness the promise and the power of God. And the scripture also invites everyone to trust in God's plan and follow Jesus Christ as their Savior. In a sense, Romans is like an argument for the entire Bible. Um, for all that has come before it and all that is going on simultaneously in the immediate aftermath of Jesus' death and resurrection. And these first few verses really kind of set that up. The reason this is so important to talk through in Aunt Bree's past, if we're going to get the most out of Romans, all the grace and truth that God wants to give us out of this book and impart to us from this book, we need to agree on a few simple ideas tonight. There is one God. The intro to Romans presupposes that we believe in one God who has made himself known through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the divine incarnate, Jesus Christ. There is one God. He created all, but was rejected by all. So one thing that we need to agree on, and I think all of us agree on, but one thing that Romans kind of assumes that we already believe or assumes that we already know, there is one God who created all the world, but was rejected by the whole world. And the world walked away, but God created one nation through which he would walk back toward the world, through which he would approach the world. The world rejected him, but he wasn't going to reject the world. He was walking back towards the world. Romans tells us, yes, all of the nations are God's uh, creation. God created all of us, but he went through one nation. He created Israel to step towards a world that had stepped away from him. And through Israel... Through Israel, he sent his one and only son to redeem all of creation. So Romans assumes that we believe, in the, believe that there is one God who made one nation and then sent one man through that one nation to do for the whole world, the whole world that God created, the whole world that God used Israel to show himself to, the whole world. Jesus was sent to die and save all of God's creation. See the similarities? One God created the whole world one nation against the whole world one and only son sent to save the whole world always one for all see romans presupposes in this intro that we at least agree on this one god is revealed in his word the story of one god and the one nation against the whole world culminated in the one and only son of god coming through that one nation to die and save all the nations all the people, including you. So again, listen to Romans 1 through 1, verses 1 through 7 and hear how God is propping up what happened before and also teasing out what can happen because of. Paul says, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So hey, this is the good news of God. The entire Bible is the good news of God. How God started with the world, but the world turned away from him. Then God restarted with the nation, and then through that one nation, he brought a savior through which he would recreate the whole world. That's the good news, that God has come near to those that walked away. God is near to us right now in a world that is torn, in a world that is broken and fragile. God is near. He promised beforehand through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament, 
confirmed as God's word. He promised beforehand concerning his son, he was descended from David according to the flesh. So all the Old Testament, the story of Israel, Abraham, Moses, Moses, David, the prophet, all of those true stories of God's people through which he was working and preparing to send Jesus. Concerning his son who came through David was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. How was he declared to be the son of God or how was it confirmed that he was indeed the Messiah of God? Not just that he died, but most of all, that he rose back to life. That's the proof, the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom? And the power of the resurrection didn't stop on Easter morning, but the power of the resurrection continued to come through history, continues to come through time today from heaven to earth. From Pentecost on, the Spirit of God falls from heaven to earth to all of us so that we may receive grace to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. God started that generation, the early church, the beginning, uh, the apostles, those who had seen Jesus, those who were called individually by Jesus. He used them to build the church, to set the church up, to call you, to call me, to follow and belong to Jesus. To all those, Paul says in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be saints. So we are loved by God, we're called to be saints. Loved and called, that is the story of the Bible. God's love story, God's reaching out to you, he loves you, and he's calling you. That's what the Bible is all about, how God loves the world that did not love him, how God sent a nation into the world that had turned away from him, how God sent a savior to the world that, had, that was lost. God loves you, and he's calling you. These first few verses testify that God's word is trustworthy authorize the accounts of God's activity within Old Testament Israel and the New Testament church as dependable sources of his nature and his power. And from there, we are invited to join his church, to follow Jesus and come to benefit from his promises to us and his power through us. And which is what the rest of Romans goes on to detail, the promise of God through Christ, the power of God in Christ, the promises of salvation and sanctification, the power, what God can do in our hearts and change us and give us the life that we were meant to have. So I want to talk about what this means for us in our relationship to the Bible, because this early first few verses, clearly um, there's a lot here about how the Old Testament and the stories in the Old and New Testament um, with Israel and the church, how these are very important for us to understand as, as, as how we got here. And that the Bible is not just a book that we should just look at every once in a while and think, wow, it's got some good things to say, but the Bible is actually um, the foundation of our faith. And if the Bible is the foundation of our faith, it's not something that we just pass by every once in a while, but that means it's something that we should be standing on or leaning on or relying on and turning to all the time. Maybe you, you wondered what it meant that the Bible is the foundation of our faith. And maybe you've had a lot of questions. Maybe you've, you know, came to the place where you have decided the Bible isn't trustworthy or it's not the foundation. It's a good thing, but it's not everything. Uh, maybe you're wondering what it means. And, and if you can trust the word of God, maybe you've asked the question before, should the Bible be the source for Christianity? Should it be the foundation? Now, and the quick answer is Yes. The Bible should be the source of spiritual and practical truth in our life. When it comes to how we got here, why we're, where we're going and what we're made for, 
who we're made to be, how we should live, concerning ethics and practice, every heavy and relational aspect of our life, our morals, our finances, our professional, our personal lives. The Bible should be the source and the authority over all those things, over everything. Yes, the Bible should be the foundation of our lives, the foundation of our faith. And if that means what I think it means, if the Bible is our foundation, every time we open it, it can be said, it should be said, we can preface any time we read, this is the word of God coming to me. Reading the Old Testament, the prophets, it would be, they would say the word of God came to them. Now, the revelation's complete. There's not a new word coming, but we've got the whole word coming to us, right? Every time we open the scriptures and prayerfully and humbly read from God's word, it is God's word coming to us. Maybe you've asked the question, or maybe you're asking the question right now. Is the Bible really the word of God coming to me? Yes, it is. To give you foundational inspiration and insight every time we turn to it, God has something to offer us insight and inspiration to give us. Maybe you push back with a lot of questions when you say the Bible is God's word. Does that mean the Bible is the only source of God's word? Does, does he not continue to reveal himself and communicate through other means? That's a great question, and, and that's a question that we need to ask. Scripture is complete, containing the full and final revelation of God, culminating around Jesus, illuminating his gospel. And here's why we're talking about this. Christians, this is true to guide us in reading and understanding and interpreting the Bible because we can easily read and interpret it in the wrong way if we don't understand this. So no matter what side of the fence you're on, if you ever find yourself asking, how can I or can I be confident that the Bible is God's word and is it really all about Jesus and bringing me under the, the rule and the power of Jesus? Is the Bible a sufficient well to draw from? I want to talk about that because this is so important. Now go back with me, if you will, for a little bit tonight, um, to the days of Jesus. We got our sandals on, we got our robes on, uh, maybe there's a sheep shearing festival we can go to, a lot of cool, um, cool things being cooked, and we can smell the, the hummus and the butter and all the sweet stuff that they're cooking, the land of milk and honey, right? Not called that for, for nothing. Um, now, now there is, this, there is scholarly, verifiable proof that suggests and confirms to us that if we were to step into the time of Jesus and we were to go back into his day, that the Old Testament that we have, if we were to take that with us, the Old Testament we have would have been the very same Old Testament or the very same Bible that the Jews would have had and would have been reading from in the day and age of Jesus. There's proof of that, not just from the scripture themselves, but also from history validates that the Old Testament that we have is what the Jews would call the only testament from Genesis to Malachi, just in a different order, um, the Hebrew Bible starts with Genesis but ends with Second Chronicles because it was written, it's ordered in the order that it was written. And First and Second Chronicles were written at the end of the Old Testament period as a recap of the history of Israel. Jesus affirms that order in Matthew 23, verse 35, if you want to look up that verse. Here's why this is so important to us. Jesus came along and put the entire Hebrew Bible on his back and said, I'm going to give you a brand new way to understand this and interpret this. I'm going to give you a brand new way to understand and interpret all that came before me. That's a pretty big thing to say, right? That's big shoes to fill. Jesus came and said that. Now, maybe you know why they killed him, right? Because that was a pretty 
heretical thing for him to say that their Bible was not complete, that God's word was not finished. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I'm not com- I've not come to do away with the, the, the Old Testament, as he would call it. I've not come to do away with the books that you have, the book that you have, the Bible that you have. I have not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Jesus set himself up to either rise to heaven or sink to hell when he said that. Literally, the, the only way you say something like that is if you're crazy or if you're God, right? Now, Christians, we believe he was God's son. He is the Messiah. He was the final and ultimate sacrifice for our sin. His resurrection promises passes along salvation to the whole world. Salvation was just previewed in the Old Testament, but it was fulfilled and fully provided in the New Testament. But here's the thing. Jesus did not, didn't need the Old Testament to validate who he was or what he did. His resurrection speaks for itself. The historical proof of the resurrection, that speaks for itself. But the reason why I take the Old Testament seriously and the reason why I take the Old Testament as God's word is because Jesus called back to it and insisted it be used to preach through and Find him in. Jesus insisted that the Old Testament be used to preach him. Luke 24, after the resurrection, uh, Jesus on the Emmaus Road says this, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus says, it's all about me. Thus he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. We trust the Old Testament as God's word because Jesus said it is God's word. God's word about him. Jesus meant the Old Testament not to be a stumbling block, but to be a building block, to be an opportunity for us to show how God predicted and God prepared for him long before. And that's what the early Christian used it, to, 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 used it for, which does a few incredible things for the Old Testament, which apart from Christ is a compilation of the history of Israel, the law of Israel, and the promises um, about future Israel or about the world through uh, Israel. The laws restrict because sin condemns. If you read the Old Testament laws, I'm sure you do that every night before you go to bed. The laws are restricting um, because sin is condemning, right? And the laws restrict us because they're trying to keep us away from sin, which is condemning us. But the promises, the promises in the Old Testament, the promises the prophets give us, the promises give a glimpse of freedom and international favor from God with the hope of salvation. And here's the good news about the Old Testament for Christians. We are free from the Old Testament's limitations and we're freed by its promises. We are freed from the limitations, the law that is a burden, the law that restricts, the law that lords over, the law that condemns. We're free from that. But we're also freed by its promises because we're taken from the law to Jesus. The promises are realized in Christ. See, in Christ, we're We are over the law's limitations. In Christ, God's promises are over us and taken to their full potential to a relationship with him. The promises that God makes in the Old Testament through the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, all those promises are fulfilled through a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about where you're living or what land you're on or what year you're living in. It's about a relationship you have with Jesus, which was, a, which was pictured and which was previewed in Old Testament Israel, but it is now realized through relationships with Jesus in his church.
The cross and resurrection funnels all of the Old Testament to Israel. Hebrews chapter 1 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Now, if you're wondering, what about the New Testament? Okay, yes, the Old Testament, you, you're, you told, you, you've made it pretty clear, the Old Testament written um, uh, in the time of ancient Israel, law and promises, uh, how now that is all a picture of Jesus, now it brings us to Jesus. What about the New Testament? How can we be sure that those books written after Jesus ascended to heaven are also God's word? And, and what about the cutoff point? Or what, what is the cutoff point? Or what was the cutoff point for inspiration? And those are great questions, important questions that many people have different opinions on. But Jesus helps us with this. The night before he died, Jesus told his disciples a few important things. And one of the things he said to them is found in John 16, verse number 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So Jesus told the disciples, he said, listen, I've got more to say to you, but hey, now's not the time. But I'm not done giving you inspiration. I'm not done giving you my word. And of course, that was previewing. That was a picture of what he would say to them and what they would go on to write. And, And while we might understand and maybe we can understand easily how his brothers James and Jude came to be called apostles, Paul, however, and Luke, as an extension of Paul, are unique cases in that they are both messengers to the Gentiles. Paul was affirmed by the twelve, and Luke was his associate and companion. And whereas Peter and John and James and Jude focused their writings on the Jews, Paul and Luke would focus their writing on the Gentiles, but they clearly were grafted into this apostolic um, line um, through the stories that we read in the New Testament. We kind of get that pretty, pretty clearly. Now, in one of the earliest creeds of the church, perhaps the earliest creed and confession, Paul details the foundation of the movement that we know of as the local church. He writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance, which was also delivered to me, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, and as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul, on several occasions, refers to his own teaching as spirit-led, calling back to what Jesus told his disciples. So we see in that passage, everyone affirmed, uh, again, Luke being an extension of Paul, everyone affirmed as under the authority of God as apostles of Jesus Christ. Having said all that, here's how we can be confident that the Bible is the complete revelation of God. We understand the writers of the New Testament, how they were considered to be apostles. We understand the writers of the Old Testament, how they were considered to be prophets, bearing and previewing the promises and the laws of God. The New Testament actually gives us the confidence that we can rest on the Bible as God's completed word. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, New and Old Testament, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord, built on and built by or built up by the foundation. Now remember, 
If you remodel a home, if you remodel a home, you can rip out everything. You can tear walls down and you can rip floor up, but the foundation's going to stay there if you want to say that's the same home, right? The foundation's going to stay there. Otherwise, you're building a new house if you mess or add to the foundation. But notice Jesus is called the cornerstone, the corner marker that sets in motion and gives proper shape and form and instruction to the foundation for us to know how to read it and understand it. Jesus is the cornerstone in that he is the theme. He is the, the, the idea behind both old and new. He is the heart of the inspiration of God's word. He is the way we know to read and understand. It's by him that the rest gives us life. So when we open the Bible, when the, when the world comes to us, we read with a focus on all of this goes through and to Jesus. His purpose and coming, his powerful death and resurrection, his established church and his coming kingdom. And we read to build on and trust in See, we defend and uphold the scripture as God's word because we need not think that some revelation or some experience or some sermon today could ever rival or equal what God has already said or what Jesus has already done. We can trust in what 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, proof, correction, and for training in righteousness that the person, the man of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. The Bible is our foundation, resting on the cornerstone of Christ, radiating the Holy Spirit's inspiration. So when you open up the Word, you don't just open up to a helpful book, you open up to an inspired book, which inspires and breathes life into your soul regarding Jesus Christ. Take every passage you read to Jesus, run it by him and run it through him because it all fits into and fleshes out his redemption plan. In light of his death and his resurrection, in light of our salvation in Christ, we find promises to claim, solutions to problems, and ways to avoid them. Romans is a microcosm of this. It's going to be about inviting us to follow Jesus and trust in his promise and live out his power in our practical and our personal lives. The entire Bible does that. In fact, Paul's going to unpack how Christ fulfilled the law, how his death and resurrection enables us to walk in the newness of life, only teased out in the old, and how we, the church, can carry these promises and his power into the whole world. The moral of it all is, as verse number seven states, to all those in Rome or to all those that are reading who are loved by God and called to be saints. The story of how God loves us and an invitation to belong to him and be like him. I hope you'll go back and you'll review and you'll fact check what we've talked about tonight. And I hope you'll consider a few things in light of all that we've talked about from this first few verses of Romans, this introduction to Romans that makes it very clear to us that the Bible is God's word. And the Old and New Testament's all about Jesus, give us the revelation of Jesus and invite us to be in a relationship with Jesus, filled with his power, under his promises, loved by God and called to be saints. So I wanna ask you a few questions before we get out of here. I wanna give you something to think about before we leave and you'll see these broken out into some posts over the next couple of days. And answer them honestly and think about this and really consider where you stand with this. Is the Bible your foundation? Is the Bible your source whereby and through all else passes and is filtered through? Why or why not? 
Maybe tonight you've understood a little bit more about why, how you can trust in the Bible and why you should trust in the Bible. But if this isn't something you come to easily, then hey, be honest and talk about it with your loved ones. Talk about it with us. What is the most challenging part of reading the Bible for you? Does seeing it all through the lens of Jesus, does that help make it make sense? I think it does, but maybe to you that there's still some things that need to be ironed out. But if you bring it all through Jesus, does that help? Maybe there's an Old Testament story that inspires you, and, and uh, maybe there's a promise you can claim and you can live out as a Christian. Maybe you want to talk about that. Maybe there's an Old Testament lesson that helps you avoid a problem that someone else um, suffered through that you know because of the help that Christ gives you, you can avoid it. Uh, maybe we can all talk about and describe what it means to belong to God. What it means to be a part of his amazing story, to be the, just another installment, another chapter in this story that goes back way, way back. Um, what does it mean to belong to God? Uh, what does it mean to be his child, to have a relationship with Jesus? Since we belong to him, and since he's always calling to us through his word and by his spirit, maybe you can describe how he's calling you or how he's called you. How the word speaks to you and maybe something specifically that God has been speaking to you through his word about or concerning. Maybe in this time of, of anxiety or maybe just in, in general in your Christian faith. We'll break these questions and these ideas out into, into some posts over the next couple of days. I hope that you have enjoyed our study tonight. I hope that you have an assurance and a certainty about God's word. And I hope that you'll take these truths and these reminders. And I hope that you'll think about these. And I hope that you'll come back over the next couple of days and uh, engage with our community and talk with us and talk with each other about what it means to belong to God and what it means to be called by God and how we can trust that God's word tells us what, what it means to be loved by God and invites us to follow Jesus. Hope you have a good night. May God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you give us confidence to lean on it and trust in you. Thank you for the revelation that's complete and that is available for everybody to open up and access and find refuge and strength from and wisdom from. God, thank you for continuing to inspire us from this inspired word. God, I pray that you would be with us in our community this week as we engage with each other, as we talk about our faith, as we answer each other's questions and, and, and bounce each other's ideas off each other's uh, minds. I pray that you would use all this to edify the body and lead us all closer to Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.